I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. As you can see, she is sitting here with us right now. Give us a huge round of applause for our guest tonight, Sonia. Thank you, thank you. I just want to say, I just want to say right off the bat, this is something that we usually come to come around to at the end of the episode. But as I as we've been doing this like this like run of live shows, uh, it becomes it becomes more and more apparent um, to me of like how incredibly. Uh, I'm, I think maybe the word brave is overused, but I'm going to use it anyway. Very brave of, uh, for someone to come in yeah. and share their story, to be in front of a crowd, to totally be cool, calm, and collected like you seem to be right now. I don't know what's happening inside. You have uh, no idea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, but thank you for being here and, and for being so open. Thank you. you. Thank you for giving me a voice. Awesome. Yeah, well, I really appreciate it. It's, I think this is going to be a really important voice because we're going to dive into something that... I'm, I would wager a guess. How many physicians or like like medical professionals, round of applause, are here in the audience tonight? Oh, a few. Okay. okay. All right. So there might be only a handful of people, I feel like, who are gonna, going to recognize um, the name of what you have. Because what you have is very rare. And now I'm going to try to say this. You let me know if I butcher it. Go for it. Lipodystrophy. Lipodystrophy? How many people have heard of lipodystrophy before? Even the doctors? Or, well, doctors, health, nurse, it's all the same. You're a doctor to me. Wow, so not no one. This is fucking great. Wow. Oh, wait, you have? I saw you nodding back there. You're just nodding at my face. I gotcha, 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 gotcha. Um, in a nutshell, Sonia, what, what is lipodystrophy? Um, basically, in a nutshell, lipodystrophy is... Uh, lipo stands for fat, and dystrophy stands for dysregulation or loss. And so, basically, it's loss of fat um, either all over your body or parts of your body, depending on what type of lipodystrophy you have. That sounds sweet. <clears throat> yeah. Loss I of wish. fat all over your body? I mean, yeah. Isn't that like the hot thing these days? Yeah. <laughs> Isn't I get that to what be ke- skinny. Isn't that what keto is all about? <laughs> you, guys are, you guys are intermittent <laughs> fasting right now. Isn't that what you're going for? Yeah, I feel like people have been mixing that up with keto, or is there some sort of uh, correlation there? I, I think, no I, I don't know, it's all the fucking anyway. same way. Some people call it intermittent starving, too, so I don't know, <laughs> yeah. I don't know how healthy it is, but Honestly. we've been um, trying it. Yeah, so uh, now, when you say that it's, it's, it, could be all over or, it could be all over or in places, yeah. what is it for you? So I have familial, uh, partial lipodystrophy, which means I lose it in certain places and I keep it in certain places. So I've always had a double chin and a bigger face. And Mm -hmm. then I lost all my fat on my limbs, my buttocks, um, my abdomen, everywhere else pretty much. Um, And it all starts at puberty. 
So like, you know, when you're supposed oh. to be starting to, you know, have curves, I had absolutely nothing. I was like a washboard. And um, yeah, so it's different for everyone. Some people have complete lipodystrophy and their faces are also gaunt. Is that something, like, I know Jeremy was, jo- was joking there. Is that something, like, a stigma that comes with that condition where, you know, if you get the elevator pitch of what you've got, and you're like, oh, well, yeah, just like my, you know, I just don't have fat in some places. And some people are like, okay, cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah some people will tell you. me, yeah, exactly. Oh, you're so lucky. But they have no idea what that entails. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what does it entail? Because, like, you, you know, you just said you're, you're losing fat in certain places. And right. I, um, like... I, like what does that what does that feel like? What does it look like? I can't really looking at your your arms right now yeah. for say. Like, can you yeah. hold your arm up so I can? Yeah, there. Yeah, right. Like, I guess there is. There is. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Whoa, look yeah. At, look at. There, there is something. There's I, there's something that I can see there, but I can't right, like put my right. finger on it. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. It's not very very visible, I guess, and it's also I use the strategy of clothing a lot of the times to hide it, but in fact, it's um. It's something that visibly affects us for sure. But what ends up happening is because we don't have fat in our body. Our fat cells don't live. Our fat has to go somewhere. So it ends up in our blood, um, causing clots. Oh, okay. I was going to say that sounds bad. Um, Yeah, it ends up on our livers, causing liver failure. It ends up on our heart, causing heart failure. It ends up on basically every organ that it's not supposed to, and it causes basically ruckus in the body. So mm-hmm. lots of different diseases from A to Z, basically. It's one of those things that, like, when you say, when you, like, that, when you say that, we ask, oh, what do, you, what do you have? Oh, and it's like, it's, it's this, it's X. Mm-hmm. It's uh, not having fat somewhere. And then, you go, and then you go a layer deeper, and then you go a layer deeper. And at, at the surface, it sounds like, oh, okay, but, you know, I guess I don't really know what that does. It doesn't sound too bad. Yeah. And then you go down and then you go down and then it's like, holy shit, this is actually oh, yeah. super crazy. It's a Pandora's box. Mm-hmm. I'm like, when people start asking me, I'm like, how much time do you have? Right. Like, yeah. really? Because um, well, we've got an hour. Question. Yeah, we've got an hour. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. You have me for the hour. <laughs> how, how rare is lipodystrophy? Um, so I was born in Montreal and when we found out, my sister and I, that we had this, we were told that we were the only people in Canada. Um, what the fuck? Yeah. Your sister has it too. So is it? My sister did. She passed away from it. Um, oh my god! Whoa. Yeah, yeah. So both my mom. So my mom had it, and uh, my mom died at 32 from heart issues, and then my sister died. What is it now? Six years ago. Six years ago a- from and how uh, heart failure. She? she was 35 on her 36th birthday. Oh my god! So wow. yeah, it's it's definitely um, it cuts your lifespan for sure. How old are you? I'm 36. Fuck yeah. Hey. I beat the curse. I yeah. beat is, the curse this year. <laughs> is, there a stati- is there a statistic for, like, for Jer? It's life like, expectancy. You know, like when he was yeah. born, it was like 25 or 30. Right. Now it's different. But. So it really depends on the type of lipodystrophy you have. Unfortunately, I have one of the ones that's uh, more severe. Um, but in general, for partial lipodystrophy patients, it's uh, actually not bad. It's at 63 yeah, um, so hopefully I can make it, but uh, we'll see. <laughs> but yeah, in terms of like statistical prevalence, people don't know. Right. Um, and it's at least one in a million. So it's extremely, Whoa, extremely one rare. in a million. It's, it's yeah. probably hard That's for them really to, rare. to you establish get... like a, a life expectancy too when there's such, such yeah. a small amount of people with it. Exactly. There's just very, very few studies out there um, that have really taken an average of, what, 20 people in the world. So it really doesn't say much. Right. So does, does anybody know what, sorry, Jared, does anybody know what rare, like what is defined as rare 
for a disease. I think I know. I thought you were like, I think does I anyone know. know what the word rare is? <laughs> Anybody want to take a stab at what the number is? Like one in how many? Okay. Yeah, I think it's it, it's somewhere. There's like rare and like then super rare and then like. I thought it was like one. I wanted mega, to say one ultra thirty thousand. I wanted to say that because we had I'll somebody on the podcast once with like some ultra rare disease. But this might be, and we're we're doing a running tally. This might, if it's one in a million, if that is the stat, At I least. think that might be yeah. the most rare we. Disease I mean, we've people about. have gone from one in a million to one in five hundred million. So that's, that's like yeah, but again, it's fourteen <laughs> people. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's hard yeah. to do math. Yeah, yeah. Jerry, are you following? Yeah. Uh, no, I have no idea what math is. <laughs> She's just looking at Instagram. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. Now Tinder. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> so, you, so this. <laughs> hey, hey, now. Uh, in in the European Union, a disease is defined as rare when it affects fewer than one in two thousand people. That's Europe. Yeah, I got oh, okay. that. Um, uh, but maybe I was way off. Yeah, yeah. I think it was like I think it was like super rare was like thirty thousand. Uh, okay. Well, you're then like mega ultra rare. Yeah, yeah. Especially now that I lost my sister, it was like you know when I had her around, it was like you and me we're together, we're okay. It's us against the world type mm-hmm. of thing. Um, after she passed away, it kind of got really difficult because it's really even up to specialists in in the field of endocrinology, they still have no idea what. I have. Well, I mean, I mean, yeah. we just there was a yeah. bunch of healthcare professionals yeah, exactly. here, and it was fucking silence when we asked the question. Yeah, I, I kind of want to go back to um, when when you mentioned that this is something that develops during pu- uh, uh-huh. puberty. I'm curious as to how that affected um, your your mental health during that time. However, while we're talking about it, you mentioned that uh, your sister passed away when she was 36, mm-hmm. and that was six years ago. So. Mm-hmm. Um, living the last six years coming up to your 36th birthday, how did that affect your mindset and how you looked at your own mortality leading up to that? Wow, those are good questions. Um, <laughs> and also like oh eight my in God. one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Okay. I know that I get a very limited amount of time to talk, you. so I just say it. When I, get it. I might need to ask you to remind me And again. what did you get on each one of your exams in 12th grade? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, my stroke kind of uh, made me lose a little bit of memory, but I'll try to work Whoa, on that. Whoa, you can't gloss over that. So, my stroke. Um, and then add in that at the end. Yeah, 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 there you go. So definitely I think one of the main issues throughout my life since puberty has been how am I dealing with this body. Um, I got bullied so much, kicked around. I had stitches done because kids were just... Like high school is so fucking cruel. Like it's just, it was ridiculously hard for me. Um, I had to, you know, eat in the counselor's office because otherwise I got bullied. Um, mentally, I've been on antidepressants since I was 12 years old. Um, and, uh, you know, when you feel so, um, alienated from your peers during that time, um, what kind of role models and mentors did you have in your life that you felt like you could go to and talk to? My sister. And if anybody understood remotely what I was going through, it was my sister. What about your mom? You um, mentioned so, that she had that too. Yeah, so my... God, I have such a tragic life. It's not even funny. Um, we can probably well, try to yeah. make it funny. Yeah. yeah, let's make it funny, guys. Um, so she passed away when I was five years old. And then um, my dad remarried a horrible woman who beat us and foster care took us away. What? Oh, my God. So, yeah, fuck. we were in foster care from the eight, from 97, so I was like 14, 
um, up till 2001. So it made it really hard. So yeah, my sister was basically the only one that I kind of relied on. Did you bounce around or were you, or were yeah, you in a steady place? Or? I bounced around. The first fucking foster home they put me in had a pet chicken who would keep Whoa. freaking pecking at my feet. You said, you said horrible, pet chicken, horrible. and I was and like... And that was the worst part of everything. Yeah. I, I mean, it was. It yeah. hurts. Yeah, you said pet chicken, it and hurts. I was like, that sounds fun. And then you said pecking, and I said, no, that's and not fun. And the chicken lived inside? Oh, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It lived inside. It gave great, delicious-tasting eggs, but it was oh. a little... Yeah, motherfucker. <laughs> so, yeah, the second... Question. Well, we've got a surprise for you. Chicken, come on out. No. What is this, Maury? I want to just rewind a little bit before we get too far ahead of it. But because, because I'm so fascinated by the, the, you know, the ins and outs of this disease itself, um, because I, there is not much that I know. Answer my it. Medication it oh, please alarm. Talk. Oh, it was oh, my okay. medication yeah, do you alarm. Want, do you want to take it? You, no, I already took it. I'm oh, a good girl. look at you. All right. <laughs> Unlike me. Um, when people take a medication on the show, we usually ask if we can have some or if there's like some. <laughs> yeah. I've got some codeine. Okay. Okay. I'm, I mean, I won't say <laughs> no. Like, she's subtly a drug dealer. She's just like, I got codeine. Just in, if anybody wants um, I want to. I want to come back to, and, and not to like go too deep in this, especially if it's, if it's still really raw for you, but mm-hmm. um, the, the life expectancy and the, and the death that your mother went, your, your mother's death and your sister's death, how... How did the disease take their life? What was the mechanics of that? Right. So basically for both of them, um, because we have the more severe form, um, the heart really doesn't like fat loss. Um, And so basically heart conduction problems. So they both went into heart failure. Um, My sister also had kidney failure. So it was kind of like a bouncing back of fluid retention. And she was constantly having fluid in her lungs. But most of it was heart failure. So my mom died from her second stroke and my... Sister died from congestive heart failure. Now, now I know you said you had a stroke. Um, I've had a few strokes, and I've had a major heart attack. Holy fucking shit. All right, let's take it back then. Like, when, (laughs) at what point did, did these serious, like, comorbid (laughs) effects start happening in your body? You know, it started as as you go through puberty, but, like, where did you start going through, um, you know, these, like, pretty severe effects, aside from the, the, the like the muscular looking arms yeah, right? and, and like who pony. cares i'm muscular it's a good thing yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah totally i think most of my life i dealt with mostly diabetes and 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 all the nasty stuff like high blood pressure this and that but as you were saying so my sister died six years ago and all of this horrible heart stuff only happened after so oh, wow. i was pretty much alone in dealing with all of these comorbidities and um it was really, really fucking scary. Um, and, you know, knowing that I might not get my cognitive function back after the stroke, um, knowing that I had this major heart attack, um, it, it really, really put things into perspective. And I was waiting, honestly, to die at 36. Um, I really didn't know anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, how, do you, how do you view death? How do I view death? I'm not a religious person, if, if that's a thing. Um, that is a thing. I've met a lot of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have an issue with religion. Um, I don't know. I think it's just um, energy. I mean, I'm a scientist, and as a scientist, uh, you're told that energy can neither be created nor can it be destroyed. Mm. And so if, if you're gone from here, you're somewhere else. And um, mm. yeah. Woo! 
I would, I would very yeah, much science. agree with that. That was my husband. That <laughs> <laughs> um, like, we're the, just to get like a little bit of like a like a clearer picture from the from the beginning. Like, you are living. You know, I, it doesn't sound like a you know a very average or typical childhood because of your situation with your mom passing away and you're being in foster care and stuff. <laughs> but you're going along and you hit puberty and everything changes. Like, what is going on where you need to be seen by somebody or you start something starts happening that is throwing you off or your foster parents off or whatever it is? Right. So luckily, my sister was older than me. So she was kind of, um, they were suspicious something was going on with her first. Um, so she hit puberty first, and then they realized, you know, she's not developing fat, and she's also thirsty all the time and peeing all the time, which are classic signs of diabetes. Diabetes, yeah. Um, and uh, so the endocrinologist got involved at the children's hospital, and then they're like, hey, you know what, we think we should check your little sister as well. And so they tried to figure out why we were so young and why we had such bad cases of diabetes. Like, we had really severe diabetes. Did they, uh, yeah. did they not suspect it from um, your mom having it? So my mom, they never diagnosed her with lipodystrophy. They really didn't know what was going on with her. Um, because Frank, of the rarity of it, I'm yeah, assuming. Yeah, yeah. Like, I look at her post-mortem <laughs> records, and basically they say that she just died from uh, comorbidities associated to heart disease. Mm. So no one really, you know, because you can just tell, say, you know, a person is skinny. Um, so right. she was very slim, probably. I don't have any recollection of her. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so they really didn't know what was going on. And it took uh, a few years, and we got a great medical geneticist, um, at the Children's Hospital in Montreal, and we finally got diagnosed. What I've, what I've found about rare diseases that we've talked about on the show is that it's actually, it's really, really tough because <laughs> when you get, uh, you know, like something like cancer, for example, like, mm-hmm. man, the amount of people that have cancer and the different types of cancer, yeah. and everything, like the funding behind it and the, the, like, the social consciousness of it is like huge because it's so prevalent. And then you get really rare things that it's hard to raise money for because there's so yeah. few people that have yeah. them. So, like, the research, the amount right. of research, the amount of people that it affects, and then the communities of people that have it are really, exactly. like, are really yeah. small. The thing that I found interesting is you brought this pamphlet in mm-hmm. on lipodystrophy, and I was yeah. like, after you said that you and your sister were the only ones in Canada with it, I was like, yeah. why are they printing so many fucking pamphlets? Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. we yeah. got, like, three here, so... Oh, yeah. But what comes really? first, the chicken or the egg, right? Like, do you, like, you need... Do you, does, like, we are the, very persistent. We actually found each other. That wasn't a pun about the chicken. I'm so sorry. <laughs> so there's actually a Facebook uh, support site for us, and we three actually people. have <laughs> 122 people on that website, uh, on that page. And we all oh, wow. talk about what it's like to live with lipodystrophy. And then finally, me and Andra, who's on the cover, <coughs> we're like, we're going to make a brochure for doctors. Because the doctors have no fucking idea what's going on. We're going to actually go to our doctor's wow. appointments with this. Wow. So me and her made this brochure. And we started, we printed out way too many. And then we started just, you know, throwing you, them around. Do you feel like going to the hospital is like, it, it fuck, like. As like an you, advocate? Yeah, you what, know, like. Like, what do you feel about going to the hospital where you're expecting, you know, like if I go to the hospital, I expect that within a very short period of time, they're going to go, oh, this is what's happening. And here's right. how you fix it. Right. Like, do you feel like when you go to the hospital, you're almost like, fuck, what are they going to even fucking do? They don't know Here we go again. anything about this. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's really hard. I always try to make sure that I give them the name of my specialist who knows my case, mm. um, because trying to get everything from scratch is really ineffective, especially in the emergency room. Right. And I'm like, here, bro, this is the cell phone number for my specialist. <laughs> Talk to what, them. Call what, what is your specialist? Like, what, what, what kind of doctor so are they? So the main person who's in charge of me is an endocrinologist who really looks at all the metabolic disturbances that right. I have. Yeah. Can yeah. we can we like go through again some of the j- just because I, I feel like yeah. we sort of glossed over it very briefly, but um, what are like what are some of the the the, the other visual um, mm-hmm. um, indicators that someone might be living with lipodystrophy? Right. Right. So beyond the lack of fat, because we don't have the fat, we end up looking more uh, muscular. Um, yeah, like so, the lady on the cover here looks yeah, like she just fucking oh yeah. does squats oh my God, all day, every day. Like her calves, oh yeah. my God. Yeah, they're fucking, they're yeah, insane. Yeah. I'm not even joking. Like this, and also, oh, yeah. it looks very body, like it looks body photoshopped. Like this isn't, this isn't treated <laughs> or anything. And that is like, and that, and that is like, that is like just like, Guys, she has zero. Okay, fat. I'll show you something. Check these out. Whoa, yeah, dude, yeah, like look at the lines. Yeah, totally. That's what happens when you don't have any fat. (laughs) You know, it looks like it looks like pre bodybuilding competition, like where like you've like But I have absolutely absolutely no strength though. Like we look like bodybuilders, but I'm weak as fuck. Ask my (laughs) husband. (laughs) You're like, yeah, but you got the look though. The looks there. I got the look. That's what they're really going for in bodybuilding competitions, are they? I have no idea. So there's there's the jackness. (laughs) What else what else is there? Um, other than that, so when we do start developing the diabetes, so we get type two diabetes, um, and we get these like dark patches. So as a kid, I started getting these dark patches around my neck. Um, and now we know that this is called acanthosis nigricans, but, uh, back in the day, I'm sorry, say that 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 again. Acanthosis. Apanthosis. Acan. Acanthosis. That's a Harry Potter story. Nigricans. Nigrathins. There you go. There you go. Acanthosis nigrathins. There you go. What is that? What like what what it's basically dark velvety patches. Velvety? They're velvety. They're 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 soft. And so my not fuzzy necessarily, but it's softer than the regular skin. Is it like a, soft like, in one direction, fuzzy in the other? Yes. <laughs> is it like it's a, in that like, continuum? <laughs> is it sort of like a peach? Um, little bit, little bit, and it happens like We're really diving deep on the. On really, the yeah. I, I'm sorry, I wasn't ready to answer in this detail. <laughs> and yeah, my mom apparently thought I was really dirty, and she <laughs> used to apparently scrape us with steel oh. wool. Oh, oh my oh, god! To get that shit off. Parents back that in the bad. Yeah, back parenting in the day, skills, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, did it work? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not coming no, off. No, no. Um, what about uh, so when you don't develop fat in certain areas in your body? I imagine mm-hmm. that that's a problem as well. Um, so, what are, are there spots in your body where you don't have fat that, like, you know? It, that you need it to... I know that, like, when when I we were sitting here, I was mm-hmm. like, oh, maybe I'll get you another chair because the chair's a piece of shit. But I was right. talking about the bottom, and you were yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you were like, uh, no, that chair's good. I've got my padded pants on. Oh, and I was yeah. like, oh, padded yeah. what? Lovemybubbles.com. They have the best padded underwear ever. I like, didn't even know that was a fucking thing. Oh, my God. If you want to feel feminine... Oh my god, guys, you should try it out. I will. I've, I've been I've looking for a little bit of feminine. I feel like I should also say googling lovemybubbles.com 
Um, it, it will be very you. careful with how you type that in, because I feel like you might just end up with something you didn't want to see. Um, yeah, I definitely need padded underwear to sit. It, it, it becomes extraordinarily uh, painful. Um, basically, all I have on my butt is my bone sticking out, and that literally hits Bones. everything. So I definitely need padded underwear. Oh my god! So it's just really uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. Whoa! Look at They're that. They're really there's, expensive. Yeah, generally. there's a whole fucking thing here. Oh, look at the best sellers. Yo! You got free shipping above a hundred dollars. This is. This, I'm not joking. When I when I was uh, speaking about you know our teen years, um, th- this is the stuff I jerked off to. It, 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 <laughs> It looks like the. I'm not joking. It looks like the Sears like like Catalog, lingerie yeah. section. <laughs> He's even giving more information as it goes on. Yeah, the Sears specifically, oh the Sears catalog. Mm, <laughs> bubbles. <laughs> but that Hudson Bay. Stop book, making though. those noises. <laughs> uh, this Sonia, is cool. I, I wanted Boom. to ask you. Um, Bum, hold on, hold on, Brian. <laughs> Bum boosting meter. So you've got you've got light, which is butt lifters. Moderate, which is but bras, no, moderate to notice, noticeable, and then full to dramatic padding, customizable. So, like, you, I mean, what, do you, what, do, you, what do you want? Yeah, where on the spectrum are you? Are you, like, are you the light every day, the medium, the strong, or, like, the max? I don't know. I'm at $40. Oh, okay. 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 Right. Medium. medium. Hey, filter, filter by price? Just yeah. enough to make me feel like I can sit. Right. That's right. all I basically need. I wanted to ask you, um, we're talking a lot about uh, body image, and I know that that can be a tricky conversation to navigate. In, in fact, like with uh, guys, I'm talking about something serious here. No, I'm, I'm listening. Uh, I'm, fucking, I'm fucking listening. In fact, um, I know I've heard like just don't comment on somebody's body image because mm-hmm. number one, it doesn't matter. You don't know what they want to look like, what they're striving for. So if you compliment them on something and it's not something that they particularly like, then then it could be unhealthy for them. Um, so yeah. I'm curious. It's I find it difficult to navigate these conversations, um, but I'm curious to know how you feel in talking about your body image. Um, and like considering that we're doing it in front of a room full of people right, right. now. Right. Um, this took a lot of years of therapy. <laughs> um, I was pretty messed up as a kid. I would wear uh, turtlenecks and long sleeves and everything possible that would hide my body from the world. Um, And I believed, I truly believed that I was a monster. And so I had years of cognitive behavioral therapy before I realized that this body is getting me from point A to point B. And um, it's it's exhausting to constantly think about it. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, we're all self-conscious about a certain body part of ours or body parts, plural. Um, But who the fuck cares? Like, I I can't give that energy anymore. I will not give that energy anymore. When did you start to to shift that perspective? When did you start going, you know what, fuck it, this is me. This is my vessel. This is my machine. Probably when I got on the heavier drugs. (laughs) (laughs) Amen, sister. That shifted That's what I'm talking about. (laughs) No, I think it was a combination of uh, kind of therapy and getting on lots of medications to actually help me. So probably in the like, well, uh, probably when I was at McGill, so probably like in my early 20s, I started okay. to, to, and I started getting a lot sicker. 
And then finally, you have to make a decision. Do you give that your energy or do yeah. you give the energy to actually feel better and take your pills every day? Yeah, because right? you're going to be sacrificing yourself if you, keep, exactly. if you keep your attention on the sort of like the self-consciousness exactly. that comes with it. it I, I get it. Like I have, I've been through something very similar, you know, mm-hmm. like with a lot of people with cystic fibrosis in a similar way. Like we it's it's really hard for us to maintain or, you know, if not gain weight. And I remember growing up feeling like um, uh, just always too small, you know, or like not not big enough. Like all our friends, like, you know, it was it, like body image was such a fucking weird thing in high school. Totally. And so, but there came a time where it was like, no, you know what, just start loving yourself. Yeah. And when you do and you project that out there, it completely has a, it, it comes back to you mm. tenfold, you know? Oh, for sure, yeah. for sure. Yeah. It takes a lot of energy to... It takes a lot of energy to try and be, because when, when you're concerned about that stuff, I mean, you're mm-hmm. trying to be really a different person, or you're trying to put out a persona that acts that's acting like they don't care about it, but in, exactly. in a big way you do, and that it informs exactly. why you're acting the way that you are. And I feel like we all, well, it, it takes a lot of energy to, yeah. to put on that mask. It does. It does. Like, I have to choose, like, oh, my God, I'm so nervous talking in front of all of these people, but I have to choose, do I want to share my story, or do I want to you know, half-ass it and be nervous about the way I look. You don't, you don't look it. You, you feel it. It seems uh, like you're doing pretty fucking good. I don't know. You're kind of yeah. rocking it. Yeah. Image. Image. Um, I want to, I, I want to, you just, you just mentioned drugs. Um, what, how, what, what do you take? How many drugs, like, how many pills do you take in a day? Are you I actually a- counted just for this podcast because, like, I wasn't really paying attention. So I take um, 19 pills a day. Oh, and, uh, wow. She's challenging. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What, challenging me? <laughs> what you, take, what's your count? I take more. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm not going to like it. That's not a fucking competition, but I take hey, more. Hey, man, we like competitions on, on the show. I take, I take about 40, 40 to 50 a day, so suck it. Oh, anyway, man. whatever. <laughs> and also injections, and it becomes hard because you have no place to inject. You're you like, beat me there. The I don't fuck with that shit. Oh, Diabetes. Horrible. So you, so you live... So Diabetes is like something you always. You've, uh, yeah, I've always struggled with yeah. that. And, and, and uh, you said it, it's really severe with people with like, yeah, dystrophy. Yeah, so it's type uh, two diabetes. So it's not like we don't make enough insulin. Our body just doesn't respond to it. Mm-hmm. And so the first time they put me on <laughs> insulin therapy, they just kept on putting it in through the. Um, it was through the IV, I believe. I was in hospital, and they're like, "Shit, this isn't doing anything." And I went up to units in the thousands, if the nurse out there can fathom that. And finally, they sent me to the endocrinologist, and they're like, look it, we can't inject this amount of volume of insulin. It's just not working. So they're like, you know, there's an insulin we use for horses. And we're going to start that on, on you. And so I was, I was started on horse insulin and they're like, You're so in my petite. teens. Oh, yeah, but I take... So is it because like wait hold on hold on yeah, hold on yeah is horse insulin just like more concentrated you, oh it's my essentially God, just whoa. more concentrated so uh, I don't know if you want to look it up but I take six thousand units of regular insulin a day is diabetes big in horses I have <laughs> no fucking clue <laughs> you should know this wait I failed you <laughs> so what's a regular what's a regular how what is it. 30 units, and you take 6,000? I was on th- 6,000, yeah. Whoa. At the peak of my treatment. That's a lot. And that's a little compared to the other lipodystrophy patients out there. Would I just Whoa. die if I took 6,000 yes. units of insulin? Yes. Okay. yes. Uh, what, would that, what would that, like, <laughs> yes. how? Yes. What would that look like? 
Like if he if he took a fuckload of insulin, what would happen to him? He would just go. Yeah, and not wake up. That sounds nice. I mean, if you've got to go. <laughs> Sick Boy Podcast will be right back after this very short break. Think of your favorite one-hit wonder. Or that overpriced toy your parents would never let you have. Or that TV show that no one else remembers because it was canceled way too soon. Now what if we could fix it? I'm Francesca Ramsey. And I'm Delon Grant. And after 20 years of friendship, we are now hosting a new nostalgia podcast called Let Me Fix It. Each episode, we'll dig into our favorite celebrities, shows, and brands of yesteryear, and then imagine what it would take to repackage them for relevance today. Think of our show as an intervention, but with way less stakes. So subscribe to Let Me Fix It wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I wanted to ask you uh, about about um, the work that you do. So you mentioned that you're a scientist. What do you, oh, what yeah. do, you do for... Yeah. What type of science do you do? So um, I'm... Please uh, say rocket science. Please <laughs> say rocket science. <laughs> I'm uh, a physiologist by training and... Uh, a f- I'm sorry, what? A physiologist? Physiologist. So the what physiology of the body that? and the way the organs work in, oh, cool. in, in normal and then what happens when they're diseased. Mm-hmm. And then I, from the last three years, cool. I've really been more interested in looking at um, obesity um, and really how um, the complications arise for obese patients and how diabetes comes about and how hypertension comes about. So I finally made myself uh, come up here and work for a lab that works on obesity. Um, because in a lot of ways, um, this, this disease is looked at as an obese person trapped in a skinny person's body. Interesting. Um, yeah, because it's all of the fat abnormalities um, that metabolic, metabolically manifest in an obese person, but we just don't show the fat composition. And so it's, it's, it's a really interesting <coughs> field for me to study. I, I, I love doing what I do. Um, I work with mice, unfortunately. So I give them, you know, I make them nice and fat. They're like little golf balls. I know, oh, and I love no, animals. Oh, man, there's some people out there right now that are just I'm like, going to mouse hell. Don't fucker. worry. <laughs> I, I, this is like a bit of a, a side tangent, but um, I, someone I know in my life who, who very... Very, I could very easily say is probably one of the sweetest individuals I've ever met in my entire life. Uh, her, she works as she's a scientist as well, and she works on hearts. Yeah. And uh, and I remember one day I was like, "So, like, how does that work?" And she's like, "Well, I work on like mostly like rats, but like um, rabbits as well as well." Mm. And I was what? like, uh, "Rabbits as well." <laughs> I literally am not going to have a, a, an ounce of voice for the Termion show on Sunday. <clears throat> and uh, I was like, oh, how's that work? And she was like, well, you know, um, we just, we, you know, we take their hearts and we, we kind of like hook them up and, and make them beat. And I'm like, oh, how, how do you get the hearts? And she's like, we, we got we to gotta put them down. We got to put them down. And I was like, what? And she's yeah. like, yeah, I, I'm sorry, but I, I, I inject a little thing into their ear. and Oh, my God. And it, it, go, my it goes into a vein and then, and then just put them down and yeah. I kill them. I, I kill them. And yeah. I was like, Ailey, I can I mean, never. I can, uh, I can never. Jennifer? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I used to I'll have never a pet be able rat. to look at her the same. <laughs> I used to have a pet rat. No. 
I'm so sad. Well, I used to have oh, a pet, yeah. I used to have a pet snake, and we fed him live rats. So oh. that's yes, well, yeah. sweet Jesus, crickets from the crowd on the uh, on the <laughs> yeah. that death of rats talk. It, it wasn't a joke. It's it's real. Yeah. It's unfortunate until we have approval to like experiment on rapists and murderers. I mean, Jesus Christ! Was, <laughs> oh my God! That's uh, <laughs> an ethical cannibalism. Whoa! This just got taken to a whole new level. Holy I had shit. to say it. I had to say it. Oh my God. <laughs> I, I don't condone that. I, I don't condone that. So anyway, can you have kids? I don't know where I stand. <laughs> can I? I don't know. Can I have kids? Yes. Um. <laughs> change the subject. Change wow. the subject. Change the subject. I think that's a place we can go from here. Um, basically, uh, yeah, I have no issue getting pregnant. My problem is my body's too weak to help hold them. Um, so I've had oh. a few miscarriages where... Um, oh. Latest was my second trimester where I lost uh, the child. And it's basically because my heart is too weak. Um, because during pregnancy, you really need to boost up that cardiac output for two of you. Mm. Um, and also, I, I have a defibrillator and pacemaker installed. And, and it's really just a way what? to high risk. You have I'm that right half, now? I'm half robot. It's like just in case? Holy I'm shit. half robot. Whoa. Whoa. And it cool. sticks out a lot more than an average person because I'm just so skinny. Yeah, right. Um, is that just is that just there in case shit goes south? Yeah, because our you know just another thing to top it off, we're at increased risk for this deadly uh, heart rhythm called ventricular tachycardia. Oh, we know that. Yeah, is that like mega mega high heart rate? Yeah, it just like, goes crazy. Like two like two hundred plus. Exactly, and you know how you need to use a defibrillator. I basically have one installed. So Whoa. when Whoa. I got it surgically placed, the doctor, I'm like, what am I going to feel if I get shocked? And she goes, she says, it's going to feel somewhat akin to a horse kicking you in the chest. Oh, fuck. And You're like, doesn't that kill you? Yeah. <laughs> and then my next question was, please refill my Ativan prescription. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. That would be so Jesus. nuts. So it's installed in there in case yeah. it goes... So the defibrillator, if it's if your heart rate skyrockets, it'll shock me back into rhythm. So you yeah. would be conscious for that, like you'd be oh, like, no, 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 here it comes. I don't know. Apparently, some people pass out, some people don't. Okay. Um, I just don't want to be on a, you know, platform on the subway while that happens. Yeah, that would be. Um, you, do you stay back? Are you like one of those people that are like, I am not standing near that yellow line. Nah, You're fuck no. When I gotta go, I gotta go. <laughs> and it's automatic, so it's just like, if yeah. it happens, you, yeah. it's not like you need to go like, like right, right. No, it's going to happen the without me being button? I don't know. I don't know. It'll just happen. The Boom. button. Boom. <laughs> when, so you, met, you mentioned that you had two miscarriages. Yeah. Um, is that something, is having a, a child something that you actively want to do? And what are your, what are your medical oh professionals God. advise? About we were that? just talking about this, my husband and I, as we were coming here. Um, I always wanted to be a mom. And that comes from the fact that I never had a mom. Yeah. And I think living with an abusive stepmother, I, I always wanted to do what she didn't do or type of thing. And so it was really, really tragic for both my sister and I that we weren't able to have kids. Um, and so my husband and I explored all sorts of things like um, surrogacy, adoption. Um, and w at one point I was living in Manhattan for a fellowship and I told all my friends to look into every garbage bin for a garbage baby. Is that, um, is that because... Whoa, Jesus. What I the heard fuck? it's a thing there. And this, so I, I got them all on I, that. I, 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 
Is that a big thing there? I mean, like, I, I'd also do something like, like not nearly as, as fucked up, but I, every time I stay in a, every time I stay in a hotel, um, uh, it's, that's pretty fucked. But every time I stay in a hotel, I, I take out the Bible and I shake it because I heard sometimes people put like a hundred dollar bills in there for prayers. Oh, if you find our dollar bill, you gotta let me know because so far I've never found any. But I yeah. heard anecdotally someone has found one. So. Has anybody left a bill inside a Bible before? I don't think this is the most religious kind of audience. Yeah. Uh, wait, you we did a hand up. Get the fuck out! Did you actually? Uh, <laughs> you know, no, 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 our, no, no, no! You got our you attention. Are, no, you weren't fucking around. You raised your hand. We called you out, and you went shit. I should not have done that. Yeah, we'll talk after. No, apparently there's baby bins in the United States where people like leave, like I don't mean literally the garbage, but there's right. baby bins where people will leave their um, abandoned children in. Jesus um, Christ. But yeah, I mean, I guess that, I mean, that's, a, that's better than yeah, leaving for them sure, somewhere for where sure. people can't find them. For where, sure. where are these baby bins? I know, I right? didn't, I didn't I don't see this know. when I was When you New find York. one, let me know. I, I, <laughs> yes, I guess yeah, I would. Well, I mean, so you said you looked into adoption, and I'm wondering, like, is there a part of you that wants that wants to go down that route to adopt, so that um, you know you were in, you were living in foster homes, right? Is there is there a part of you that wants to be mm. to to adopt so that you can give a child that needs that you know a, sure. a good home? I think that's the perfect uh, combination, right? Like I think it's the the world has already way <laughs> too many kids, um, and I don't want to pass on my disease, and and adopting a kid will just really just giving it a safe home would mm. just be such a wonderful thing to do. Just mm. make them feel safe and secure yeah. and loved. Like these are basic, basic desires. My issue is, um, you know, I also think for the child. And if I'm going to pass away yeah. in five years, yeah. who's going to take care of that child? Yeah. And so at this point in my life, I think I've decided to take a more indirect way and uh, look into maybe volunteering or something like that. Like br- rather big than, brothers, big sisters kind of thing? Yeah, something like that, right. where, where I can help foster children's good quality of life without actually yeah. having to take one in, yeah. um, knowing my health is so unpredictable. Is it possible for you to, to give birth, though, to carry a, a child to, to term? Maybe. I mean, my cardiologist tells me, she's like, listen, if it happens, it happens, but you'll probably be bedridden. Um, for the entire time, um, just because I'll need to be at minimal activity to to really put out the heart capacity for both. Mm. Um, at this point, I, I'm really not interested in that anymore. Um, I really do think we have a population problem in this world. There's way too many fucked up kids out there. Sorry, I know there's a kid in the room. Yeah. You're not one of them. Yeah. How are you doing? How are you doing? Let's fucking do I'm it. I'm avoiding eye contact. Um, but it's really hard we're, to We're be fucking counted on you. Don't fuck He's this like, up. Give my people a voice. No, it's really hard to be a parent. And uh, I really think uh, maybe it was meant to be. And, and I just got to go and move forward from that. Yeah. I guess. yeah. You, you, we, so we, we sort of glossed over... Some pretty intense parts where you said that you had a massive heart attack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and a stroke. And multiple strokes. How? What is a stroke again? A stroke's uh, um, a, a, a brain bleed? 
Or no, that's a hemorrhage. It can be well, a bleed a stro- or a clot, a clot in the brain. Yes, right, right, yeah, a clot. Yeah, it could be a hemorrhagic stroke or an ischemic stroke based on whether it's a bleed or, or a clot. Okay. Um, and then a heart attack is basically <laughs> a, a blockage in the actual heart. Right. Um, Which one sucked more? <sighs> I think... The pain was more, definitely the heart attack was the most painful thing I've ever experienced. Oh, yeah? But then the stroke is also scary because the brain can't be replaced. And I'm like, fuck, am I going to get my vision back? Because I lost uh, half my vision during one of my strokes. And I recovered 100%, which was, I was so lucky. But I had a few strokes and I was getting all these symptoms and, and the doctors had no idea what was going on. Um, and now I've been known to have a, a, a heart rhythm called atrial fibrillation, which increases your risk for strokes. Um, but literally, I had the stroke, and it was a Monday where I lost my vision. Wednesday, my vision comes back two days later. I was so thankful. My husband's getting shit ready to go back home. Where, where were you? I was in hospital okay. in Calgary, and um, I was doing my PhD at the time, and... Um, Wednesday evening, I get my hospital food tray. and uh, Great food. Great food, right? But yeah. it's definitely not known for its spiciness, right? <laughs> so I start, like, you know, doing this in my chest. I'm like, damn, I'm getting a lot of heartburn. This is uh, it's not the food. And then all of a sudden, I felt this immense pressure, like ten, tens of thousand textbooks coming over my chest. I couldn't breathe. And then I called the, 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 the nurse, like, with the button, I freaked all the people out in my room, the button. Um, I started yelling. I'm like, I'm having a fucking heart attack. Um, So you just knew. knew. I I knew. I knew that the pain was just right there. And it was uh, radiating to my jaw. And um, all of a sudden, I had 10 nurses around me. They were doing, one person was doing an EKG. One person's doing a chest x-ray. One person's getting blood. I'm like, give me morphine. Give me whatever you can. And because I was in hospital, I was uh, brought straight into angioplasty, which is a procedure where they basically blow a balloon to open up the, the, the clot in your heart. Oh, fucking fuck. Jesus yeah. Um, and they made me sign a paper. And I, 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 I briefly remember the doctor saying, you might not get out of this. And I'm like, I don't give a shit. Just give me morphine. And um, Is there even any time to think in that situation? Not you're just really. Like, you're just like, you're this like is whatever. What it is. Yeah. Do it. Do I was able to sign a little bit and I signed a little bit. And it's funny because you, uh, you see the screen as they do the angioplasty and they show the balloon open Wait, you're, up. You're awake this whole you're time? You're awake. Whoa. You're on morphine. You're heavily sedated, but you can see it. And as soon as the balloon blew up, my symptoms went away. Whoa. Yeah. I, yeah. When I hear balloon inside <laughs> body, my dick hole hurts. <laughs> anybody, anybody else's PP hole hurt when they hear balloon in body. If it's any, we got comfort. one more sore PP hole back there. <laughs> There's no nerve endings in your heart. Right there. there are so. a bunch of nerve endings <laughs> in your dick hole, <laughs> and it hurts. <laughs> I've had I've oh had balloons I've had balloons po- blown up in my I'll take dick hole. I've had balloons blown up inside my yeah. asshole. Both of those holes. Wait, when did yeah. you have a balloon in your dick hole? When I got the sorry. Fucking, when I got the catheter. Oh. What about your? Oh my god! Oh. When I got the Barry Menema. 
Oh, oh my god, I, I was in the I was in the hospital in May. And then they're like, we're gonna we're gonna pull this out, and it's like it's it's like one of those fucking. And we're like, all right. Hey, actually, I remember the guy. He was like, he comes no. in and he goes, I gotta take this out now. And I go, do we have to? And he goes. <laughs> We do. And I go, does it hurt? And he goes, it hurts a lot. <laughs> and I go, whoa, Are what you the ready? fuck? You don't say that. And he goes, I'm sorry. Here we go. One, oh two, three. And it's like oh this. Oh, God. Two-handed, <laughs> leaning back. Hold on. It's like, it's like this, all right? So he's holding on. So he's holding on. And he, goes, he goes, okay, just count to three. One, two, three. And he, it, he does this. It's a two. It, it's it's a, like an elastic thing that if if it wasn't, in something, mm-hmm. and he pulled it out. It would literally be like this. Here we go. Was it a twist and pull? No, no, no. It was like it was like oh. it's, it's like this. Please long. don't twist. Yeah. It's like this long, but it's but it's stretchy. So it goes. Yeah. He goes. Here we go. Oh, and then it snaps out. He's like, here it goes, and I'm like, why? You said here it goes. And then and then he goes. And oh then my he, god. And then he goes. <laughs> and he falls and he, back. He goes, oh my god. <laughs> Hits him in the face. I was I was in the hospital in May, and uh, I'm in the trauma room. I got hit by a car. It's all this fucked up. Anyway, I'm, I'm, it, there's like a thousand doctors around, and everybody eventually clears out, and they're like, "Hey, you got a laceration on your kidney, and uh, we, oh, need, yeah. we need a urine sample." Yeah. And so like we need that fairly soon. So like, can you pee? And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I, I got to pee really bad actually." You're so like, like, "I pee every day. I know how to do this. This is easy." <laughs> And uh, my body is definitely just still in shock from being hit. So I'm laying there in the hospital bed, and my pelvis is broken, so I can't, like, I can't, like, move around. And so my, my girlfriend, Kyla's there, and they, she brings over a jug. Everyone leaves. And I, I'm trying to piss in this jug, sitting, like, laying down flat, which is very challenging. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, I'm, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and nothing's happening. But I've got, to, like, I get the sensation to piss. is like, really, really intense. And then... And then nothing's happening, nothing's happening. I, I go to Kyla. I, I, I move over to my right-hand side, which is the side that's not broken. And I'm like, okay, Kyla, can you make, uh, can you make some, like, water sounds? <laughs> and she's like, shh. And I'm sitting there like, ah, oh, please, please, she, please. Does, she does her best babbling, and then, Brooke, and, then, and she's like, And then the beautiful thing about doing a health podcast in a small city like Halifax is when you go to the hospital, everybody fucking knows Dude, who it's you fucking, are. It's weird. It's so weird. everyone's like, hey, like, one of the guys that's on Sick Boy is in here with his fucking pelvis broken. He's trying and, to piss. Let's go watch. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so the nurse, the nurse comes over and she goes, uh, well, we need the samples. And if we don't get it soon, we're going to need to put a catheter in. And I was and like, she's like, do you God. want us to record it? Yeah. She goes, she goes, do you want the catheter? I go, please, God, no. And she goes, it would be a great story for the podcast. <laughs> and I was like, don't. no, absolutely not. Anyway, I forced myself to pee. That's the end of the story. Um, Dickles. Ever, uh, ever have a cat? Ever <laughs> is, a, is a catheter part of your life? Yeah, I had one once. So um, we have an issue. So again, when I said we don't have fat cells, so it has nowhere to go, so it goes in your bloodstream. If you have really, really high triglycerides, which is a form of fat, you get something called pancreatitis, which is an inflammation of the pancreas. So I got that, um, yeah, at, in Montreal, and I was put on morphine and no drinking, no food for three weeks, and so I had a catheter put in. But I think it's easier for us. I, I really do. Is it? Isn't your hole smaller? Isn't like the, where the pee comes out like really, really small? I don't know. I, it wasn't as painful as you guys describe it. Maybe we're. Just I haven't tougher. had it. I'm just afraid of it. Yeah. <laughs> right, I, I haven't right. had one. I was like, please, for the right. life, I will. I will. 
slice it off and let it just pour out before I get a fucking catheter in. Oh, oh, sorry, was that too intense? That I'm so sorry. Just a little bit. Just a little. <laughs> I'm really afraid of it. I, long story short, I want to. I want to come back to. Um, we, we're we're getting close to time, but I, I want to come back to the the life expectancy part because mm-hmm. there was something that you said that kind of made me go, "Fuck, really." You said something to the effect of, and and you know, I'm I'm I don't I don't know, remember exactly how you worded it, but something I'm paraphrasing here. Um, the general life expectancy, you're like it's like sixty two, and that's like pretty good. And I was like, pretty good. My dad's almost that age. Like, if right. my dad died, I'd be fucking shook. Um, do you? Do you you know you you're now I'd be old, shook. you're you're older than your sister was um do you have like a a bucket list ha, Well I mean I, I I actually fucking hate that word I do too And really? and why? I I don't know why I just I hate the the idea so of bucket list You hate people that write things down and are motivated to accomplish things <laughs> and stuff like that Yeah, yeah. I just I hate can't. people who have goals you know yeah. I, I don't know why, I don't know why, but it just it, there's just something about the word. there's something about bucket list that just like yeah. rubs me the wrong way. But but yeah, do you have like a a series of things that you go? You know what? I I, I haven't checked everything off. Right. Like there's some stuff that I really want to get done, and I'm afraid you know yeah I, I might, that time might not come because I don't have it. That's a really good question, and I've asked myself <laughs> that a lot. First of all, as I said, I never thought I was going to see after 36. So since April, when I turned 36, I, I, I realized, okay, what do I do with this life? And I think I don't have a bucket list per se. What I tell my husband all the time is that I want to live today as if it was my last day. And I know it sounds very corny, but um, to really live life as full as possible. Like, I don't think me going all the way to India or going to Africa for a safari or anything will enrich my experience at this point. I think just being around people that you you love and and being loved and my cats. Um, cats rule. That is the fucking cutest Woo! thing I've ever heard in my entire life. I don't want to yeah. go to Africa or India. I just, I just want, want to snuggle my kitties. I just... <laughs> I just want to watch Netflix. I, I get it. I just cats. want to fucking snuggle up the big bee, and I'd be like, I could die I right here, I right know. now. Yeah. You know, I totally feel that. No, well, that's I, like that's really yeah. that's really beautiful because like some people think that it needs to be like this grandiose thing that only some people get to do, but like it is that's, that is very beautiful. Like, I, it's about the people that I, you love. I think that when you live with a life limiting illness, yeah, more often than not, people have that sort of mentality of like. That's I don't need. I don't need to go out and try to achieve all these things. Maybe that's why I hate the idea of a bucket list. Do we? Like, I just had... want to be fucking happy <laughs> now. Like I want to make sure that I'm right. not that I'm not squandering my life by being right. a fucking cranky dick. Like I want to. I want to be right. happy. I want to be elated. I want to be yeah. excited. But that doesn't mean having to like make sure that I hit one through seventy. Exactly. You know? Should I my, tell you yeah. when you're being a cranky dick? No, because when we because when we get, take red eye flights, you're and we get oh, in in the morning, oh, dad, daddy was a cranky dick that daddy, morning. Daddy, yeah. no, daddy was cranky. It doesn't mean we don't have bad days, but like my sister in the last six months, she knew she wasn't going to survive, and I was her primary caregiver. How did she know? Did she know because um, she was told? Or yeah, the she doctors felt it? had told her, and she felt it. Um, 
And really, I kept asking her, like, what do you want to do? Where do you want to go? Where do you want to go? And she's like, all I want is for you to take time off of your work and spend time with me. And uh, for that, I I cherish those six months, the memories we have. And um, to be honest, no trip could beat that. So I, I think she really taught me that, that it's really the time, the quality of time, rather, where you are. Which is really like, I mean, we talk about this all the time. <clears throat> Unfortunately, it seems like people that live with um, people that live with life uh, expectancy limitations um, have this really, really beautiful and honest and real, clear sense of what is important in life. At least, at least in terms of the sample size that we're working with, it seems like that. It's two of and, us. <laughs> and yeah. everybody else that we've talked to. <clears throat> and um, and the, the funny thing is, this is, the, this is the thing that we talk about all the time, is we're all going there. You know, some people, some people are a little bit shorter than others, but it's, it's, we're all going to the same place. Um, and I think that's a really good message for, you know, everybody listening to this to take when, home with them, is that the yeah. people in your life are really the... Are really the, the That's where the joy part. comes from. Yeah. Yeah. When yeah. when I think about um when I think about my own mortality, I can flip flop like very easily. Right. Like I'll, I'll go from like one day thinking about it and being like scared as fuck that um I won't accomplish the things that I want to do before I die, and it and it terrifies me. And then on the other hand, um I can sometimes get into the headspace where I look at my life and say, well, you know, I've done I've done a lot to this point. I really feel like I. I do try to live life to the fullest. Mm-hmm. And then thinking about death is a little bit easier for me. Right. But like it depends on the day of the week for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering for you, when you think about what it will be like when you die, are you okay with that? Like, uh, Have you come to terms with the idea of dying? Or is that something that, um, you're afraid of? I think I'm not afraid of going. I think I'm afraid of dying in pain. So I really want, like, huge load shits of morphine pumped into me when I go. Yeah. And the the thing I fear the most is for the people that I leave behind. Like, I know I've lost my whole family, but I do have my husband. And and sometimes, you know, I think of him and I'm like, the pain of of, that happens for the people that are left behind. Because um, death isn't easy to deal with for anybody. Yeah. Um, so yeah, for the people I'll leave behind. But otherwise, I think I've, I've, I mean, I have my bad days. Oh my God, I have my bad days. Like I'm drugged up right now. Like you don't want to see me without drugs. Like uh, it's tough. It's really, really tough. But at the end of the day, are you gonna uh, spend your waking life scared all the time? Mm-hmm. Just you got to make the decision. I just want to say, like, kind of going back to. Well, circling back to where we started, really, like I think that there is something so important about these things that that when you give the you know the the elevator pitch of what it is that you're living with, that sounds like oh okay okay, you know we we talked to somebody in Vancouver the other day who lives with something with called Ehlers Danlos syndrome, which is basically a connective tissue disease, and that the elevator pitch of it is oh my my joints dislocate really easily yeah oh you're bendy cool but then the the next layer down is Oh well, my organ, the, the tissue of my organs can rupture really easily. Oh, my, my brain tissue can rupture really easily. Never mind. And it's like it's a, it starts to get really, really right. fucking serious really quick. And yeah. um, and it's it can be easy when, when and I don't want to toot our own horn here, but 
I mean, I kind of do, but like having in de- being able to have in depth conversations about it, where you go, to, you get to go a few layers deeper, is really important because yeah. it, because people need to know about like the real shit that people live That's with. That's why I was so stoked when you called me and said, "Would you like to be on this podcast?" Because it's it's really hard to have my voice be heard, um, and. And there's, you know, a lot of frustration with not anyone understanding what the hell I have. So if anybody in the room, you know, can take away the fact that, you know, there is this disease and and it's a lot more than, you know, what it seems. And, and people are living with things you have no idea. Yeah. Like I'm walking around, I'm taking the subways. People have no idea what I've been through and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I think I think we really need to appreciate everyone's resilience because everyone's fighting a battle. Like everybody, everybody. has their shit. Every single, oh, yeah, every single person. Yeah. Oh. Well, I I didn't tell you this, and we usually don't say this to guests, but you want to know something that's fucking trippy? I mean, it's crazy that you're sitting in front of a hundred people right now and, and, and talking about this. And sweating. But th- this is the equivalent of uh, you doing this right now is the equivalent of doing this in front of the fucking Rogers Center, like, packed. You know what I mean? Like, this isn't just going to be heard here. You know, that to, to have an ability to, to talk about what it is that you've been through is going to be heard by so many, so many fucking people. And I hope, I hope there's somebody else out there. Yeah, you better air who, this. Who hear, <laughs> yeah. I hope there's somebody out there who has lipodystrophy. That hears this, you know, and and feels alone. Yeah, that feels fucking alone. Because if there's one thing that I've learned through all the work that we've done, all the conversations Mm -hmm. that we've had, is it doesn't matter what the fuck you live with. Mm -hmm. When you live with an illness or a chronic or a terminal disease, it always feels isolating. It always feels isolating. And then when you, you have that opportunity to make the connection with the other people that are going through something similar to you or exactly the same as you, it's the most beautifully uplifting and and empowering sense you know and so i i I, like i know that there's maybe five people in this country but i fucking pray that at least one of them hears this because what you did today is is very important for those people and i i can't begin to thank you enough so thank you yeah Yeah. yeah thank you so much um, but yeah, I, I think you're the fucking bee's knees. Having really having do. having said that, can you talk to my husband after this? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> having said that, you know, this is we we've been. I said it earlier. We've been doing this for four years, and you know, we we hear from countless people from across the the planet that reach out to us to tell us how much the conversations that we've been having have have made a. a a massive impact on their lives, you know, fundamentally change the way that they, they relate to their own illness, change the way that they communicate with their friends or their family. And all of that change would not be possible if it was not for the people on the other end of this that are listening. You know, it's, it's one thing for someone to, to stumble across it and find it and listen to it. But the reason people are hearing this is because there's so many of you that actually take the time to subscribe, to like, to rate, to review. Like, when we talk about that shit at the end of every episode, we do it for a reason. And that reason is so that we, we can have more people hear these conversations. And so, basically, what I'm trying to get at here is that everything that we do wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for you on the other end who's there to listen. 
So from the bottom of my fucking heart, I cannot begin to describe how thankful I am for that. And so I want you to give yourselves a round of applause for showing up here tonight and, and supporting conversations like this that need to be had and need to be heard. Thank you all so much. All right, for the sake of the recording, thank you, Sonia, for showing up and sharing your story. Mm-hmm. It, means, it means the world to us. Thank you all so much for showing up. My name is Jeremy. I'm Brian. I'm Taylor. And this is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.